The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Starting his own artificial intelligence company. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist and he's done nothing. Anything he does yeah. is fascinating to yeah. people. Welcome to Elon Inc., where we discuss Elon Musk's vast corporate empire, his latest gambits and antics, and how to make sense of it all. I'm your host, David Papadopoulos. We were surprised this week to learn from our colleague Shireen Ghaffari that Grok, the AI chatbot from Elon Musk's very new AI company, is actually giving programs like ChatGBT a serious run for their money. We were less surprised when we saw the EU is investigating X for illicit content and disinformation on the platform. And we did raise our eyebrows when a recall alert for Tesla's autopilot software went out last week. Now, this wasn't the kind of recall we're all used to. The company called for users to update their car's software remotely. It felt like a peek into the future of cars. To discuss all this and more, we've beamed in Shireen who reports on AI for us in San Francisco. Hello. Hi there. And Max Chafkin, senior reporter and editor at Bloomberg Businessweek. Hello, David. Hello, Max. Later on, Dana Hall, our longtime Tesla reporter, will join us as well. Okay, so now, Max, we know, <laughs> okay, that recently you, you, you had a little cameo and last week tonight with John Oliver. They found some old tape that they put on. So in that way, he's kind of the Henry Ford of, of, of space. But you know, Max, we also pulled some old tape of yours <laughs> on our very first podcast, our debut episode, in which you said this about Grok. Until people start actually using this, I think it's worth like thinking about this as vaporware or not even taking it seriously as a real product. Right, we'll I stand by uh, that. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so Max, we'll give you your chance. Just pipe down. You'll get your chance to respond. But Shireen, You've tried Grok out for a few days recently. Mm -hmm. What did you find? It exceeded my expectations. I, like Max, you know, given, first of all, how, how much other companies had a leg up over Elon with this one, right? OpenAI's ChatGPT came out over a year ago. Google's been working on AI forever. I didn't think in a matter of a couple months, Elon and a small team could spin up something that would significantly be better than any of the other AI chatbots out there. However, I did find that especially with one important use case for me, which is summarizing real-time events, Grok performed really well. And when you say really well, A, tell us what that looked like, what really well looked like, and is really well better than the competition? 
Yes, I should say really well comparative to other chatbots that are out there right now. I think none of these tools are anywhere near perfect. They're still wrong a good percentage of the time. I will caveat that my test was not a scientific one. You know, I used it for three days and asked it a bunch of news questions, basically. And, you know, how it did better was that a lot of times, and I've written about this in the past, Mm. the mainstream chatbots out there, the leading, most cutting edge ones, can be really smart if you ask them to solve you know, a math problem or to write you a poem in the style of Mm. Shakespeare. But when you ask them about current events, they can just totally get stumped and flub the answer because even as they're, even if they're being updated with real-time information, it takes training to be able to tell, you know, that the the chatbot, hey, this is right, this is wrong. And you can't constantly be training something in real time. Mm -hmm. At least they haven't figured that out quite yet. And so where Grok excelled was that when I asked it about the news, it actually was able to give me, in my experience, a, a better answer, more or less, than, than, than the other ones out there, like ChatGPT or Google's Bard. And so you're talking about, right, you, you asked the things about the, the Israel-Hamas war. You asked the yes. things about the COP28 climate summit. And it did mm-hmm. write better often than, than ChatGPT and Bard. So, Max Chapkin, what say you? I agree with everything Shereen is saying. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a really... So you retract your statements from week one? No, because I, I do... It's, first of all, it's not clear how quickly they put this thing together. Like, it might have been true, you know, four weeks ago when I, I said see. it, and, and maybe it's they, factual they the moved time. really quickly. I, I, I also think, you know... W- it's sort of hard to know how to think about this because on one hand, you know, it's like, wow, what an impressive showing by Elon Musk. He's still got it, right? Like he can, small team, he's mm. able to, you know, eat, despite all of the crazy things swirling, swirling around him, he's yeah. he's able to recruit competent engineers and who are able to then build a product. I mean, the other way of looking at it is, I guess maybe ChatGPT wasn't quite as good as we thought. Maybe like that $13 billion that OpenAI spent or, or you know, this enormous amount of money, many years spent, the fact that one guy could replicate it in a matter of, I I don't know, we don't know exactly how long they built this, but probably a few months. What does that say about the state of the art? Maybe it's, maybe these, maybe these chatbots just aren't as great as they, as we thought they were, or maybe a a better way to say it would be maybe these chatbots aren't as like sort of defensible as we thought they were. Maybe, maybe like there's not that much unique in any of these There's not much of a, in Warren Buffett terms of of a moat around them as, as one would have thought. I mean, now, Shireen, you're, you're saying you peppered it with news questions when, and to, 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 to help you be up to date on what's going on in the, in the open AI space, in the artificial intelligence space, how important is that functionality? Is that something that people would actually legitimately use it a lot for? Look, I think there's, there's, you know, you don't always need to know what's happening in right away. Like right now, for example, if you're just interested in using these bots to code, to help you code, it doesn't really matter. Code doesn't, you know, change minute by minute. But if you care, when you think about when you use Google every day, right, how many times does it matter if information is fresh when you Google? A lot of times it matters, like if you want to know when the Super Bowl is or if you want to know like when to go to the movies. Like, So I asked it, you know, about Israel Hamas war. And I, and I did that because in the past when I had asked Google's chatbot and ChatGPT, it was flat out wrong. It was telling me, you know, in the, in the peak heat of the war, it was telling me there's been a ceasefire, which was just not true. And when I asked Rock, it gave a, a pretty nuanced and, and correct answer. What exactly was that answer? It was pretty concise. It was about a paragraph. It said, you know, the war is continuing. There's no end in sight. It listed, you know, an estimate of the casualties and Mm. gave sources for those casualties. And, you know, the reason I think that 
that Grok may be better with this and some of its competitors is because, first of all, it's willing to engage on some of this stuff. So when you ask Bard about the Israel-Hamas war, for example, after Bard uh, a couple of months ago, embarrassingly. Bard declined to comment, basically. B- Bard declined to comment, right. And then this is, mind you, after my reporting that it, it flunked on this question a few months ago. So now it seems like it's shut down the, the answer entirely to what's <laughs> happening with the Israel-Hamas war. ChatGPT did give a directionally correct answer. It actually performed better than I thought it would. But Grok's answer was more concise. It listed references better, I thought. And I think a big reason for that is because it's pulling from from tweets, or I should call them, I don't know, ex-posts. And, you know, what was really surprising to me was that I thought, okay, even if it's pulling from people's ex-posts, that a lot of them could be junky. I mean, just looking at my own For You feed has degraded in the past couple of months Mm -hmm. or year, I should say. However, when I asked Grok, it seemed like it was filtering where a majority, a vast majority of sources it was pulling from in in these tweets or ex-posts were, you know, mainstream news sources like Mm -hmm. Bloomberg, like the Financial Times, Sky News, Wait, so they, they're citing Bloomberg. Oh, we love Grok. Then Grok's great. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, of course Max, they're going to be right if they're citing Bloomberg. 100%. Now, Max, in that opening episode, when you were expressing those concerns and, 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 and your, your um, you know, the fact that you were a bit dubious about it, that was specifically one of the things you brought up, that, hey, if you're pulling from X, which is what Grok is going to largely be doing, and indeed, as, as Shireen was saying, the, the content on X is, is taking a turn for the worse, how reliable can it be? So I guess maybe they've managed to come up with a formula to make this work. I mean, to me, what's most from a sort of if you were an investor in one of Elon Musk's companies or you were his friend or something, what would be most encouraging about this is that you have the rhetoric, right? You have Elon Musk talking 24-7 about the woke mind virus. And then you look at what Grog is actually doing. I was reading Shireen's story and I saw Financial Times, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, like, where's Cat Turd? And, <laughs> and you realize, like... This thing has the woke mind virus, at least as Elon <laughs> Musk has articulated it. And so clearly he's, is sick. he's able to, you know, this would make you think, OK, maybe what's going on in his own personal, you know, Twitter feed, X feed is a performance. And when it when it really matters, when it gets down to business, he's making better decisions or people underneath him are able to say, like, look, like, let's not like exclusively compose these answers of like the right wing influencers that are, you know, friends with Elon. Let's let's so, use you know, reliable but, but sources. So Grok is so far better than expected. It's doing well. It's passed some some surprisingly some early tests. Shireen, does it does it matter, though, like in terms of making this some way scalable, monetizable in a, in a way that matters for XAI and for X and for Musk? Yeah, is there is does does this have any actual import? It could. You look if if X really builds a reputation for being the chatbot that will give you the most accurate information about the world as it's happening, I can definitely see that being monetizable or being a competitive asset. But it's quite you know a paradox because at the same time, as you're pointing out, Musk is under fire for quite the opposite, right? For for you know how unreliable some people are finding. Yeah. X to be. So it's kind of a hard sell to even if Grok is exceeding expectations in this in this one area, it's the, the area of exact weakness for him right now in terms of X's perception. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, Max, indeed, you are in general, you're dubious about AI, not just as it applies to Grok, but across the board. What's your take on this? I mean, I think, look, in certain ways, it makes a lot of sense just because Elon Musk needs to create some reason for people to 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 use this site and to subscribe to X Premium and, and, and Grok would be a way to do that. So who does indeed have access to Grok. Who can use Grok? Right now, I believe it's, it's. I hope I'm getting the branding right. I think it's X Premium Plus users. This is the higher tier from the the yeah. the Twitter blue. And, and, and uh, apparently tier. that group includes Shireen, from what we can tell. I, I, Shireen, is it like 20 bucks a month or how much How much are you uh, shelling That's out? right. I, I'm a VIP user. It's, it's, I believe it's around $16 a month. And uh, it is the highest package you can get wow. on, on the page version a big of Twitter. Spinner. And I got it specifically for this reason, mind you, not for my own vanity for yeah, the blue check mark. Yeah. I got it just because I wanted to test out Grok. Likely story. I mean, there there's some really interesting issues around corporate governance because it seems like yeah. Grok is a separate company and yet clearly it's very closely tied in with X. It seems to be part of Elon Musk's plan to like, you know, save the, the value of his investment. Um, so, th- so I think that that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, for a long time, even going back to the to, to the old Twitter, everyone knew there was a lot of value in in the data contained in tweets, and and Twitter had a had a really reliable revenue stream. I think to some extent still does selling that data called mm-hmm. the fire hose to, to companies that would right. essentially pay for it and 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 analyze it and so on, and and so you know in certain ways, Grok is like a logical the 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 logical next step. On the other hand, in in other ways, the kind of Elon Musk media troll way, he yeah. has undermined that. He's undermined Twitter X as a sort of reliable record of sentiment. Whereas now it's it's more like a reliable a reliable record for sentiment in certain domains like sports and so on. I bet you Grok will be great on on you know the question of like which who to start in your fantasy league or whatever and less reliable on some of these more controversial issues where we've seen really seen an impact of of Elon Musk's you know leadership or and and, and sort of the the right wingification of, of the site. So Max and and in that vein then the EU investigation of X which was announced I believe earlier this week uh for disinformation they're investigating on disinformation and illicit content does this does the fact that Grok is is a more reliable source does this in any way shape or form help them fend off that EU investigation or are these totally uh unrelated things I, you know I'm not an expert on on uh, European <laughs> technology regulation I don't I'm not sure that anybody <laughs> is but I no, I don't think it does. I mean, this is very much a niche product. If what you're worried about is misinformation, hate speech, by the way, in, in parts of Europe, of course, in Germany, certain kinds of uh, hate speech that is, you know, allowed in the United States is not allowed there. Hmm. So if you're worried about like bad content 
broadcasting widely, this doesn't do anything to address that, right? You're talking about a very narrow segment that has access to this thing, using it in a narrow way. I don't think Shireen was the kind of person who was like, you know, liable to like retweet, you know, the latest cat turd or whatever. And and that's the kind of thing that European regulators are worried about. Although I should correct myself and say, I don't think they're specifically concerned about cat turd. I'm using that <laughs> right, as a right. stand-in for the overall right. issue of disinformation. Exhibit Much, A up. When I was in college, we had a cat called Claws. And so it's kind of like the same thing. It's like a, a small part I got to you. describe the whole uh, cat. We, we, okay, the whole, understood. <laughs> By the way, and, and I don't know if anybody saw this or anybody can make heads or tails of it. So there's there's another grok out there. Is this right? Is anybody? Yes, this is so confusing. This made help my head us, spin. Shireen. Okay, so Elon Musk's former partner and you know mother to his his children. So she came out with a rocket ship AI plushie from Curio named Grok. Same name. And this came out, this was announced, you know, I believe, let's see, just like, was it last week? She announced it on Instagram. It's this really cute looking, you know, gray. I saw it. It's not cute. Basically stuffed animal that's AI powered. It's kind of odd. So is it a Grok custody battle? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So Grok, so we're, they're fighting over the kids and now they're fighting over Grok. And yeah, it's odd. We went from having zero grocks in our lives to now multiple in the span of weeks. So do we think that this was deliberate? Like, is this wow. like, I mean, it, it would have to be, right? There's no way that they could have just independently arrived at the same. So I saw a TechCrunch headline today that she had the trademark before he did or something. I don't know if that means right. she came up with it first, but. We're going to say goodbye to Shireen for now. That was great, Shireen, though. We're going to have you back on both later in the show, and we're going to have you back on. Once you, you know, test other elements of Grok, we'll bring you back. Okay, so welcome back. Max and I are still here, and we're bringing in Dana Hull, our longtime Tesla reporter, to help us talk about the recall. Hello, Dana. Hello, hello. Okay, so Tesla indeed recalled a few cars the other day, and you know it's attracted a lot of attention because even my mother, who doesn't happen to own a Tesla, asked me what was going on. So Dana, help her and everyone else out. What exactly did Tesla do and how big a deal is this? So the first thing to know is that the word recall is a little bit of an, of an anachronism when it comes to the auto industry these days. You hear recall and you think, oh my God, like, all of these cars, like 2 million cars are going to be yanked off the roads. It's like, you know, like a baby's toy is recalled because there's a choking hazard. Like the, the idea of a recall makes you think that everything is off the market. But, you know, now, like a lot of automakers, it's Tesla in particular, they can improve the product via over-the-air software updates. So yes, this was a recall, but the remedy is that you know, Tesla free to consumers is going to beam an over-the-air software update to everyone, and the consumer does not need to do anything. You don't need to bring it into a shop. You can still drive it. This is Tesla basically admitting voluntarily with NHTSA's guidance that autopilot is a problem and that drivers tend to get lulled into kind of like a sense of complacency and that in certain conditions, drivers may not pay attention. So the remedy is that Tesla's going to nag you a little bit more to keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road. And I think the significance here is that, you know, for years, like NHTSA has been working with Tesla to kind of improve the company's safety culture. 
They investigated all these accidents where Tesla drivers on autopilot or with autopilot engaged seemed to keep smashing into stationary fire trucks. And it was like, hmm, what's going on with that? And then, you know, this kind of recall that was announced last week was basically the result of those two years of negotiations back and forth between the regulatory agency and the company. It's Dana's right that like, you know, there you could read this in a very literal way and think, oh, my God, they're going to take all these cars and you're going to give them back and they're going to be whatever. Well, a, a, a literal but, sense in the old in well, the old sense of the world. Well, maybe. But I mean, a lot of recalls work like this. Like if your Ikea bookshelf was recalled, they don't take the bookshelf back. They just send you like the new pins to like hold the shelves mm-hmm. in better. But it is bad. And it's 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 bad, especially in relation to what Elon Musk has been saying for years and years and years. We are so far away mm. from the swaggering, you know, we're going to have robo-taxis immediately. You barely have to look at this thing. You know, I before before going on, like, I went back and, you know, there was that that video that that they ran, the, the Painted mm. Black video, I think, Dana, am I, is, that, is that the right mm-hmm. song? From 2016, you know, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just like awesome video where the car's like driving around. There's a little thing on the bottom of the screen says the driver is not doing anything. He's just there for legal reasons, right? As Seven if, years ago. As, yeah, exactly. And and then you had you had like, you know, I think shortly after that, a, a adult film actress, you know, tweeted a video, you know, having sex in a Tesla. Mm. And Elon Musk was like, ha ha ha. Isn't it great? Another use. And like this was all kind of an exaggeration. Like they this thing doesn't work the way Elon Musk has said it works for years and years and years and years. And not only that, it doesn't work the way many, many Tesla investors have sort of been assuming it would work. So in that sense, like, I I think this is damaging. But Max, to that point, right, because you're saying investor, Tesla investors have been assuming that the technology works or is going to work like that soon. Ergo, that is part of the very, very lofty valuation that Tesla has. It's worth more than all the other automakers combined and by a lot. But the stock price didn't move at all off this, really. Well, the thing is that even though Tesla markets it as autopilot, the the truth is that it is a level two system, which means that the driver is always in control. And there's like sort of daylight between how it's marketed and how it's actually used legally. Like if you if you get a Tesla and you read all the documents and mm-hmm. even look at their website, they make it very clear that the driver is supposed to be in control at all times. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. But then presumably Nitz's concern, though, is that no, you know, reasonable or typical user is actually going to read all the fine print. Is that right? And so they are going to perhaps think that like, oh, whatever, autopilot's got it. Is that right? I mean, there may be an increased risk of a collision if you are if auto steer is engaged and you're not fully paying attention. (laughs) <laughs> says the new warning that you see what where does that pop up by the way that pops up what on your on your screen as you as you sit down in the car so the remedy is that there will be increased visual alerts when you're driving and like if you ignore all the alerts completely like the car could basically ground to a halt and pull you over and mm. tesla already kind of like nags drivers to pay attention now the nagging is more pronounced and more severe 
But I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, Tesla initiated this recall. This wasn't NHTSA coming in and like forcing a recall. Tesla basically begrudgingly acknowledged it and said they would do it. They said that they didn't agree with NHTSA's findings, but they were they were going along with it. I mean, one reason for that Mm. is that there are worse things that NHTSA could do. I mean, and and so like what? Well, I mean, they could force them to change the name. I mean, they could they could like, you know, they could they could more heavily regulate or, or try to stop the way Tesla has talked about these products, both autopilot and its, you know, quote unquote, quote, full self-driving product. You know, and I think you could make an argument that both of those names are a little bit misleading. And, and you know, I think there's an assumption, right, that this is going to sort of settle the matter from NHTSA, mm. although NHTSA you know, released a statement saying that they are not necessarily like they have not closed this investigation. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because there's a there's a lot of litigation coming up on behalf of, you know, drivers and their families who were injured or killed in accidents where autopilot was or was not engaged. And you have all these plaintiff's attorneys who are very keen to kind of look at this recall as part of their strategy going forward. There's there's some big trials that are coming up or slated for 2024 involving some of the more high-profile autopilot cases. What do those lawsuits allege? Well, they basically allege that the product is defective and that Tesla knowingly marketed this defective product that like lulled their these drivers into this false sense of complacency. Mm. But it's tricky because you know, from Tesla's perspective, like all of the fine print says that you got to pay attention. And and if you didn't, then then it's on you. And just, you know, when you're in a car and there's something like autopilot engaged, like, you know, as a driver, it can be confusing, like in terms of how much is it actually capable of? When mm. do you take control? Yeah. It's like that murky middle. It's not a full robo taxi, but it's it's helping you like keep lanes and you know like keep speed and you know it's it, it's it's a driver assistance project. But to Max's point, a big part of the valuation of Tesla is the promise of robo taxis, and mm-hmm. Musk raised billions of dollars from Wall Street with that idea. And like a full robo taxi is always kind of right around the corner, and that's been going on like year after year now. Yeah, I was going to say that's a regulatory problem. Like getting we like they are so far away from getting the federal government to say, "Okay, you can use your Tesla as a robo taxi." I mean, we've seen, you know, Cruz essentially Mm -hmm. like lay off a huge segment of the company, basically slam the brakes on its uh, robo taxi business. It it really just seems like, you know, good for Elon to, to, to solve this problem. But again, you are so far away from what that ultimate goal is, which is, you know, the driver's not looking at all. Yeah. I mean, to go back to 2016, which was your reference to that ad that you remembered from back then, I remember being involved in a story at the time. Absolutely wasn't just a Tesla thing, but across the board, there was this sense out there in the industry that like, you know, we're days, we're hours away from from everybody just, you know, sitting in the back seat and sleeping while their car drives. Yeah, that was a myth. By the way, that was caused, you know, I've done some reporting on this. That was caused in part by Elon because because Elon went out there and said that that this is like definitely going to happen. Then you had other CEOs promising to buy certain numbers of Tesla. I believe it was a CEO of a big ride sharing company promised to buy, you know, big, big quantity of, of, of uh, Teslas. And that caused everyone to make models, right, showing enormous sales for, you know, like like right. it, it caused this whole like Wall Street apparatus to like kick into gear and develop right. all these justifications. The Wall and, Street military industrial and, complex. And, and a lot of that has kind of has gone away. Like people have sort of woken up to the fact that like this stuff isn't happening as quickly as it has, except in one important exception, which is Tesla. <laughs> Tesla stock price. Yeah. So it's probably worth saying that, 
you know, there's this other case going on, which is the case of the Nikola founder who has been found guilty of defrauding investors around, you know, basically the capabilities of this, right. what was essentially a vaporware truck. Now, much, much more serious case. I mean, and look, investors love, who investors who have autopilot, I mean, a lot of them love it. They see it, they, they see it getting better. They experience it getting better. They feel like, okay, Elon might be wrong on his timelines, but if anyone's going to figure out this problem, it will be him. And Tesla has a lot of data. I mean, that's the thing, the other thing, like, you know, Waymo and all these other companies that kind of tried to do full robo-taxis are, 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 you know, training small numbers of vehicles in these kind of geofence locations, whereas Tesla is learning from all of the autopilot data that it has just unleashed on the universe. And, you know, they've got a really big fleet now. So their model is based on a lot more real world data. All right. So last question on this topic that I have for both of you is, and this is kind of brings us back to the beginning of the conversation on it, is so is recall then in the end the right word? And is it the word we're going to use going forward on something like this? Dana? You could say a software recall because ultimately the remedy is to update the software. You could say a software recall. It's a recall. It's what I, I, I mean, this whole conversation about it, is, is it a recall? Semantics. Not, yeah, there are lots of recalls that, that are, are satisfied without taking the, the, the product in. But like if you're if you're having to like make a change to your product, right. that is because it's unsafe. Right. And that's what Nitz is saying. So, Shireen, welcome back. Now, you need to know that one issue here that is a source of never ending raging debate on the show is the the looming death match cage match between Elon Musk and his rival Mark Zuckerberg Max has very strong opinions I have very strong opinions Dana and Sarah Fryer who's not with us I think we're crazy and should move on and and do other things with our lives Shireen who do you think wins this match when it happens It's tough cuz I mean look Elon's a bigger guy right he's 61 Zucks 5-7. But right. I've been saying. But what, 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 let her answer. So who wins? But I think Mark Zuckerberg, and look, look Mark Zuckerberg also recently had an injury. So you're flip flop. Who's you know, gonna you're hemming and hawing? Who's gonna win? Okay, sure. okay. On a good day, I think Mark, if he's recovered from his injury, I think it's suck. Because I think Zuck he's he's wins. trained for this in you know, a way okay. that Elon doesn't seem Zuck like he has. He okay. posted on Instagram that he's doing rehab, he's gonna be better than ever. So Zucked. okay, good. Something to okay. keep in mind. But we we decided to just see just how brilliant Grok is, right? We said, why don't we say, why don't we th- hit Grok with the question? So, Shireen, you did. You asked Grok who will win the fight, and it told you what? It said, it also, like myself, gave a oh, very my. kind of a reasoned response. Couch. And it said, you know, listed out that Zuck is smaller, it gave his height, his weight. It said... As for their fighting style, Zuckerberg's jiu-jitsu training could mm. give him an advantage in grappling and ground fighting, grappling. while Musk's height and reach advantage could be useful in striking Very and keeping his opponent at a distance. Here. Wow. Yeah. And it said, ultimately, the outcome of the fight would depend on various factors such as training, preparation, and strategy. So mm. let's wait and see if this hypothetical match ever becomes a reality. So a non-answer. Yeah, it's a lame answer. And it says Musk is known for his, in- oh, his interest in physical fitness. Eh. And martial arts. What it doesn't say is that Musk is a lifelong brawler, which uh, he's been fighting since he was, you know, since he got out of the crib. And that's why he's going to win. Any event, it's kind of, indeed, Shireen, it's kind of a lame answer. So he might have done great on the news questions. The cage match answer, I give it a zero on 
Yeah, here's the thing. They advertise it as a chatbot with a rebellious streak, right? And ready to answer spicy questions. And, you know, you would think on something like this, it would weigh in. By the way, I, I fact-checked Elon Musk's height just now. Correction, according to the internet, he is 6'2", not 6'1". So Grok maybe even underestimated his height. Okay, enough with the cage match talk. Let's end it there. Thanks for listening to Elon Inc. And thanks to our panel, Shireen, Dana, Mac. Great to be here. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong. Naomi Shaven and Rehan Harmansi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering, and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Our supervising producer is Magnus Henriksen. Thanks a bunch to Business Week editor Joel Weber. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. I am David Papadopoulos. If you have a minute, rate and review our show. It'll help other listeners find us. See you next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.